This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, where I'll be talking with Timothy Wingate Jr., the founder and president of G Plus F Business and Financial Consulting. We'll be talking about the challenges and strategies related to communication, finance, and technology in the context of the construction industry. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm a leadership and career expert and the author of the new book, The Intentional Engineer. You can find more information on me at jeff-perry.com. And this is the Engineering Career Coach podcast brought to you by EMI, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now it's time for the main segment of the episode. Today I have with me Timothy Wingate. He likes to call himself your favorite construction accountant. Timothy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I appreciate you bringing me on. Help us understand a little bit about your career journey, where you're back up, and why are you here talking to engineers and construction professionals? Like, Tell us about that so we can understand you a little bit better. I've been around you guys all my life because my father, he's a GC, and he's been a GC since 1984. So I grew up in the construction industry, grew up talking with construction guys and just hanging around and being one of the guys. Really just have a knack for understanding what the processes are like, you know, from getting a house built or starting a job and getting it completed. So I uh, really just had an easy transition from having a strong financial background to actually tying that into the construction process and what you guys do out there in the field. That's kind of where it naturally fell into my lap. You know, it was just more of an innate skill that was always there. And so now just put it into practice and making sure that advising the construction industry the best way that I know how financially and to really help them soar and take their businesses to new heights. Yeah. So what does that really look like, your relationship with some of the construction professionals and companies that you work with? How do you help them? What does your work look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So on a day-to-day, like we have a, a full team where usually every week they're meeting with a bookkeeper from the team and to go over all things accounts receivable, all things accounts payable. They also taking a look into their project management softwares and see how things are going from a financial standpoint, scheduling, budget, all those things. Then they meet with me on a monthly basis or sometimes bi-weekly or quarterly basis, just depending on the need. And we discuss all things, not just construction, but also all things business related. Hey, Tim, I'm thinking about hiring a new employee. You know, is this the best time? Should I hold off on that? I'm thinking about purchasing a new vehicle in the company name. Should I purchase in the company name? Or I'm thinking about sending my kids to college, you know, so should I be trying to start up a retirement plan for, you know, to get them some money and hire them? You know, so it's just a lot of creative things that we talk about. I come up a very important sounding board 
for the owner of the company when they're making a lot of life-changing decisions? Obviously, there's a whole lot more things for engineering and construction professionals to think about when running a business than, hey, are we like doing the work and, and getting the jobs done, right? So when it comes to the finances and trying to take care of all this, how important is that communication thread between the teams who are doing the work, the construction teams, and all the processes that go on behind the scenes to do the finances, to buy the materials? You're talking about equipment like vehicles and, and other equipment and, and things. There's so much intensive work you know, in the field where things are happening out away from any office situation. So how do you help create those communication channels to do those things effectively? So first thing, I start with the mindset of the person in charge, because number one, you need to understand that it's very important to have this communication between the office, the back office, and the people out in the field. Just like you would think about your house, a couple that's married. Well, we know that the need is the house needs groceries, but if no one's communicating saying that, hey, I stopped by Publix before I came home today to buy dinner and then the other person forgot to do the same thing and you both bring dinner home and no one has communicated that hey man i wish you would call me and told me that you bought dinner because now i wasted or i spent an extra 60 bucks or 100 bucks at the grocery store that i shouldn't have it's the same thing out there in the construction field you know if you're not communicating with the back office then you could be buying extra materials you could be overpaying yourselves you could be underpaying certain bills. You could be doing a lot of different things because there's no bridge of communication. So that's really the meat of it. You have to understand that that is important. I need to establish some system to allow efficient communication between the back office and the field. Without that, you're going to, like you're talking about, buy duplicate materials. You're going to waste a lot of both time and actual cost expenditure in doing so if we're not communicating well. Now, the other thing that's quite complex with construction engineering projects that probably a lot of your clients are working on is there's a lot of complexity and a lot of time that it takes to move through. It's not just like, hey, I have this product, I'm going to sell it, I get instant payment for that. So managing things like cash flow and how where the finances are at and where our budget's at along the course of usually running multiple projects at a time can be quite complex. So what are some of the tools or approaches that you use in helping people comprehend all of that so that they can manage those things and make sure that they're not going to get themselves in sort of a sticky situation? One thing that they need to pay attention to, close attention to, which is not always the obvious thing, because I always ask this question, I'm saying, what's more important? Is it estimating the job or actually the schedule for the job? And most contractors will say estimating. Well, the right answer is scheduled because the scheduling dictates everything. If I plan to complete this particular project in six months and I do not, how would it affect the current project schedule and all the other projects that we're doing as well? And then how would it affect the opportunity of taking on another project? if we're you know, behind on the six projects that we already own. So all of those things have a major effect. So you need to understand that scheduling is the most important thing with any type of project-related 
service that you're providing and you need to focus on completing things on time and keeping the project moving on time and not having a bottleneck situation happen. And so a lot of systems. Now, the question always is like, who can do that in their heads? No one. You know what I mean? I can't keep up with 10 projects in my head. It's no way. So I need to find a tool that's going to allow me to keep track of all these projects and how well they're doing. So that way I can make the best business decision regarding one project versus the other. Some projects are more complex than the other project, but I need to know how to quantify that data in a way that allows me to say, we need to actually move resources from this project and put it over here. And we need to do other things that this one project that's going really well doesn't need to have from us. So I always say you need to have a project management system. One of the systems that we advocate for is Build-A-Trend. Build-A-Trend is one of those project management systems that allows you to keep up with multiple projects and how well they're performing from a budgetary standpoint and also from a scheduling standpoint and financial when you tie it all in. Some people have project budgets, but they're not comparing it to actual data. And when you're not comparing it to actual data, then that budget doesn't really mean anything to you until you actually compare it to another set of data points. So that's kind of what we want to establish. We want to say, hey, get that project management system in place so you can now start to improve things that are not so efficient in, in, when running the project. Are you able to actually apply or tie into your financial systems that you're creating to some of those project management softwares as well so they can tie and talk together? Absolutely. That's the only way. That, to me, that's the most efficient way. So we use QuickBooks Online. QuickBooks Online ties directly into Build a Trend and they shoot information back and forth from one another. Yeah. So how does that facilitate when you're talking about QuickBooks on the financial side and then Builder Trend or whatever other project management software they're they're using? How does that facilitate some of that communication like that we were just talking about between the finances and, and the operations in the business? So on the project management side, you need to order materials. So someone in the field, you know, is saying that, hey, we need X amount of materials. We need to create a PO for that, a purchase order. And so when that purchase order is created, now we send that purchase order out to the vendor. The vendor then says, hey, we approve. Here's the invoice. Now the invoice comes into a bill pay system that we have set up, which is called bill.com. And then now we get to code that invoice to the particular project and then send it right over and match it to the PO inside of Build-A-Trend. And now we have these two systems sharing the same information. And we all know the person in the field knows that, hey, we have a PO that's open. The person in the back office knows that, yes, we have the invoice from it. It has not been paid yet. And so now when the material actually gets shipped to the job site, we can double check the PO and say, hey, did they send everything that they said they would? Oh, hold on. The invoice doesn't match the PO. Some things were missing. So now that communication comes back to the accounting team and the bookkeeper team and say, hey, can we modify that invoice? Tell them to you know, send that back and send us one that's corrected. 
And then, then we put that in and it matches. So everything is it's all about everything matching and making sure that we have now recorded that, hey, we ordered seven feet of whatever material. We actually have seven feet on the job site. And now it's okay to pay that bill or to have it approved for payment. There's just so many moving parts when it comes to the flow of the money and the materials and then doing the work and getting that put together on the construction site. There's so many opportunities for that miscommunication for people to miss each other. So if there's any business owners or construction or engineering professionals who are listening here who are really struggling with some of those communication challenges like we've talked about, are there some like initial actions to help tie some of these different pieces of their operations together so they can work more effectively together? This may sound like a very simple solution and like, man, I should have thought of this. Like, why does somebody even bring this up? The first thing you can do is set up an email address just for accounts payable. That's it. You send that out to all your subs, all your suppliers. And when they send invoices, they send invoices to that email address. Stop having invoices sent to your business address where you get a bunch of junk and spam and and you know you got all types of client communication going on and this can be because it's easy to miss it's easy to miss that invoice that needs to be paid so the first thing is that's improving communication because now i know i have one email address to check for all things that needs to be paid on this for jobs period so when i'm going through that email account i'm checking off hey was this paid was it not is it still outstanding so on and so forth and then you know you know, if you delete something out of there, you're deleting an invoice or you're deleting a bill. And you don't want to do that until you're sure that it's been taken care of or you just be able to keep it there. But that's one of the first things that you can do to improve your, your communication. And it just keeps all those things in one place to start is one of the first steps now. And that's an early step. And we we're talking about further steps like tying together product management and QuickBooks or other financial software and other things. But technology is going to continue to progress and, and give us more and more of a big picture. What is your view of how technology with finance and construction operations and all these different pieces, how they're going to continue to develop? What are you seeing and what's available and what's in development now from what you can tell that's going to help address even more of these difficulties at this intersection of the different pieces of the operations so that these professionals can focus on doing the, the best work that they need to do, which is taking care of the construction work. When I hear the word technology, what I hear is speed and efficiency. And so you have to understand if you don't have the right technology or no technology at all, how are you going to compete in a world where technology is constantly improving? I mean, we have artificial intelligence now, so that's going to become something to consider in the near future. And if you're not using technology at all, and your competitor is, I hate to use the word competitor, but you have someone in the same industry who's using better technology, who's able to communicate with their team more efficiently, faster. How can you compete with that? Because they're going to be in and out of jobs a lot quicker, and they're going to also understand their jobs a lot better and know how to make improvements for the next job. They've been retracting every single data point on a project to now evaluate once the project has ended and then say, okay, we didn't do this well because, 
of this. And if you are not able to gather all that data in an efficient manner where you could evaluate it after a project, you're just going to be moving on to the next project, hoping to get better instead of knowing that you're going to be better. And so that's what technology does. Technology increases speed and efficiency. And those data-driven decisions, you can continue to improve those things instead of just saying, well, I think we could change this and hopefully that works. We don't really know if it made a difference or not. Like you're just guessing all the way through. That's interesting. So you're talking about, hey, if we don't do some of these things, some jobs, it's going to cost us speed and efficiency. We're not implementing some of these things and also some of the communication gaps. Like what are some of the other potential negative outcomes if we don't address some of the communication challenges and implementing some of the technology opportunities here that that you've seen can happen if people don't do this well? People leave. You have people who just don't want to work for a company where there's bad communication because people feel that when I signed on, I thought I could carry out this job, but you really set me up for failure because what I need to do to win at this job or in this role hasn't been clearly communicated. And I don't even have the systems to make me efficient in a way that you would appreciate it. And so therefore, instead of just working for this this job that doesn't is not fulfilling because I'm not winning, I'm just going to go work for someone else who has better systems and better communication. I know exactly how to win there. I know it probably wasn't the ideal answer coming from an accountant, but you remember I have conversations about everything. Hey, I just lost an employee, so I may not be able to do these type of jobs. I may not be able to finish this job. All these things start to happen. So that's one of the negatives that can happen when there's a communication breakdown. The other thing is you can have undertrained staff and it kind of ties back into what we talked about. So you have staff who good people, they're trying the best that they can to work for you and do things the way you want to do it, but they constantly making mistakes, mistake after mistake. And it's all because there isn't a good communication channel there to give them feedback and to measure that performance and to say that, hey, we need to work on this and this is how you get better at it. Now, you may say, Tim, well, how does that tie? That's not like more of a human resources thing. How does that tie into the actual productivity on the field? Well, imagine this. If you have a project management software out there that they are required enter data into to give you information, now that becomes a performance measurement. And now you say, hey, I want you to make sure every day that you're putting in your daily logs, you're taking pictures of what you've done, what went wrong, what needs to be fixed, all these different things. So now you have data points, things that could be evaluated, things that can be measured. So when you have these conversations, you're being very direct. You're saying, hey, remember on August 2nd when you took pictures of this borderline that broke and you explained how it broke? Well, let me tell you how to improve that. Let me tell you how to not let that happen again or what you should do when it does happen. And then you make, you know, take, make documentation on your meeting regarding around that. But that will help improve efficiency out there in the field because you are addressing 
really the communication challenge, which is training, training my team and to so that way they can feel equipped to do things well on the job. There's a lot of different pieces and, and you're talking about all of this needs to work together because at the end of the day, we have the end goal of being able to deliver great work for our clients and customers, and we need to run the business effectively right now. Obviously, as you think about as the scale of a business and what they're creating increases, that can multiply the challenges that come along with some of the communication and the systems and everything. So if I have a small team, maybe one team, and I'm just building like one house or one project at a time or something like that, compared to if I have multiple teams and I'm building multi-million dollar projects with multiple subs or something like that, like maybe complexity gets pretty big. So how can some of these communication strategies we've talked about be adjusted to suit different scales and complexities of different sorts of projects that we're talking about? Number one, you have to think of things around the term capacity. What is this employee's capacity? When do I know that they have reached full capacity? Because once they reach full capacity, now there's some things that needs to happen. Because let's say they're very efficient, they do good work, but now they just have reached capacity. So now I may need to bring someone else into the picture to help them get back down to where I could use more of them. And maybe when I bring someone in, because they're so good at their job, they have now have the opportunity to elevate in the company. They become in, you know, someone who's geared up for leadership. And because you're in leadership, now this leader is overseeing these roles that they were once in. And, and then now we can continue to build off that. You know, We can continue to grow and get bigger. So you always have to be thinking about capacity. How much can this person handle? When it's time to bring someone else in? when it's time to promote someone to leadership. So that way I only have to deal with what I have the capacity to deal with because I'm not going to have the capacity to deal with a hundred employees, but I can deal with maybe 15 managers or maybe even smaller than that, five managers. And you just create this tiered system that allows you to grow and manage what the business is doing in a very efficient way where it doesn't kill anyone and it, it makes everybody feel like, okay, I can handle what I have on my shoulders. And I imagine as you kind of move through that process of growing and, and scaling, like continue to build those systems because those systems will build upon each other. And so will the challenges and the lack of systems, right? And so like, if you have problems when you only have five people, that's just going to make bigger problems when you have 50 people, right? If you don't solve some of those problems, so you got to be thinking about that all along the way. Well, Timothy, this has been an excellent conversation and thanks so much for all the value you've given. At this point, we're going to transition over to the Take Action Today segment of the show. And when we come back, we're going to get one final piece of action load advice from Timothy. We'll be right back. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Now, Timothy, we've talked about a whole lot of things from communication challenges and opportunities and technology and speed and efficiency for how people can improve their businesses and tie all the different pieces of the business operations together. With all that we've talked about, what's the final piece of actionable advice that you would share 
with people who are wanting to improve this, especially in the financial side, which is your specialty, and really get a handle on where they're at now so that they can improve and grow for the future. The wisest thing that you could do is if you're not an accounting professional or someone with a high level of financial comprehension, I would say you'll want to get with someone who has those skills and let that person evaluate your current financial position. Because you can imagine it's hard for a husband and wife team to go out and say, hey, let's go buy a new family vehicle if they don't understand if they have the money to make the payments. So you need someone to help you understand this is where you are and this is what you can afford. So based on what you can afford, this is kind of where you need to start. So it's like, yeah, honey, we may not be able to go get the Mercedes Benz because we can't afford that right now. We can't start there, but we'll start with a a Honda Civic and then we'll work our way up because this is where we are today. That's the kind of approach that needs to be taken with your company is, is this, where are we today? What can we do today? But we can't make an educated decision on that without sitting down, evaluating the numbers and just making a a very good plan to attack whatever problem that we're currently having. Yeah. But the plan builds on knowing where you're at today so that you can plan your way forward. Knowing where you're at. Timothy, thanks so much for a great conversation. I'm sure there's probably going to be people who are listening who might want to connect with you, get some advice or insights from some of your expertise. Where would you send people if they're interested to connect further? Yeah, you can go to the website, construction.accountant, or you can catch up on us with on, on Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn and Instagram. We do have a Facebook as well. For us, what's being posted, I have no control of that. I do have a say-so, but not control of it. But I am in the, the messenger a lot, and I'll answer some of those messages more so in LinkedIn than any other platform. Thanks again so much for being here on the show. We wish you nothing but continued success. And thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and insights here today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it. It was a joy. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources or websites that we mentioned during the episode. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars for this month at the website as well. Additionally, for any engineers who feel like they need extra help taking the next career step or finding clarity in their careers, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com or you can go grab my career clarity checklist found at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash career clarity. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? 
You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.